Welcome to Sports Lounge Live, a weekly talk show covering baseball. I don't believe what I just saw. Basketball. Believe in Cleveland. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. Football. Got it at the five and into the end zone. Touchdown. Hockey. NASCAR. Green flag waves again at the World Center of Racing. Plus the latest sports news, both pro and college. Hear past talk shows on your phone by calling 773-572-3006. Or as a podcast on your iPhone, Victor Stream or computer, or on your smart speaker. Visit legendoldies.com for links to automatically connect via your computer or iPhone. Call the sports aficionados at area code 646 876 and enter the PIN 287-723-4600, followed by the pound key twice. And now, your hosts, Chris Devon, Perry Lester, Sean Platts, Robert Herrick, and Bill Sparks. And our host to be named later is Rick Swan. Good afternoon. Welcome to Sports Lounge Live. It is Tuesday, February 7th, and this is show number what, Chris? 232. 232. I've been working on trying to get my bottle of pop open. I didn't even think to ask you. But <laughs> I know. It's, 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 some things are, some the things are more important than The important thing. You know? That's right. That's and, right. Uh, we are going to change things around a little, a little bit today. So without the panel, we're going to go right into sports. So I will let you do that, Chris, and then I'll figure out how to get this bottle of pop open. All right. Well, yeah. What's happening is today we are we are hoping to have live and in person a little around five o'clock Eastern time. Colby Garrison, who you may may know her name from the community calls from ACB, she does a fine job with that, along with Cindy Hollis. And uh, but she's a big NASCAR fan, and she did a documentary about it, and uh, that is available on YouTube. If we don't get Colby, because we haven't got definite confirmation, she said she was going to make it, but we don't know if she will or she won't. If if not, you're still going to hear her because Bill has the documentary queued up. So we'll give her a few minutes because she works till 5. Give her a few minutes after 5, and then Bill can throw on the documentary. So you will hear her. She's really cool. I heard the documentary last night. I knew she was cool anyway just from hearing her in ACB things. But anyway, so... Um, so the panel may come back in the future or maybe a thing that comes and goes or individuals may have individual things they want to say at any given time and say they would like a, a panel moment. But generally, because our new show time next week will be from 4 to 5 Eastern because of the book talk show, which will be coming on, which will uh, which uh, uh, Nolan Crabb and uh, Jenny Sparks and Bill and others will be in, involved in. So we're going to be shortened to an hour. So we're sort of, this is a bit of a, sort of a dry run, but not really, because we, we do have kind of a deadline coming up. So what's our agenda, you may ask? Well, the NFL, of course, starting off with our Super Bowl picks. Then we would do the NBA because the NBA had a busy week. Kyrie, Kyrie, Kyrie. Then we got uh, baseball, a couple of notes, only a couple, because everybody's sort of in a lull before they head to spring training. Uh, which will be in another next week and a half or so. Uh, college sports, we have the top 25 for you in college basketball, and Sean's got a note, and the NHL. It's our week to look at the NHL. So for the Super Bowl picks, here we go. I hope Perry goes three in our batting order, so hopefully he'll be back from uh, destroying or opening his bottle of, uh, of, of soda. Um, I'm, I'm going to pick... My, my, I don't have a real rooting interest in this one. Usually I do. I'm kind of an AFC guy, so generally that's kind of kind of cool, and that's kind of what I do. And I, I am going to pick Kansas City because 
They got the better head coach, I think, and they have the better quarterback. Hertz is very good, but he's unproven. Uh, you know, everybody's unproven at one point or another. I would have said the same thing about, you know, Brady against Kurt Warner, you know, but uh, you, you, you have to start somewhere. So it doesn't mean Hertz can't win this. Now, it doesn't mean for those that are in the contents, I may contest, I may not pick uh, Philadelphia there because, uh, you know, just strategy wise, it might be the only way I could try to win. And, but, you know, whatever. But I'm going to pick Kansas City 27-24. I think it's going to be a good game. Um, I think that the Chiefs, uh, you know, uh, that, that experience they had with the 49ers coming back will stand them in good stead. They're not going to be facing Tom Brady. And uh, so I, I think that the, the Chiefs are going to pull it out. If This is, uh, again, maybe a different pick if you hear the contest picks later. But, uh, you know, we're not going to do those now. We're doing just this. But Kansas City over Philadelphia, 27-24. And I think it's going to be a very good game. Rick? Uh, I'm going to, well, you know, we've talked in the past about when I picked like Giants games and then pick the other way. You know, there's different picks with your heart and your head. Yep. And with my heart, I'm going to, well, with my heart, I'm going to pick Kansas City. I want them to win. With my head, I, I'm picking Kansas City also. I think <laughs> they're going to win. Now, like like you said, Chris, I, I guess from what, from what I understand, and, and I really need to pick Philadelphia in the contest to have a chance to win. Um, so, you know, without my hat, without my head, or in the contest, I'll probably pick Philadelphia with another part of my body, probably my balls. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but actually, I am. I'm picking Kansas. Maybe uh, I think I'm like close to you, like twenty-seven, twenty-three. Okay. Harry, you back from Bottle Land? Yes, I and I am going to pick the Chiefs too. I think it. It'll. It's going to be thirty to twenty. Is I think going to be the score. It's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, that'll be reasonably close. But I, I think the Chiefs, after what happened to them two years ago, they're not going to. They're probably not going to want to go there again and and have a bad performance. So, thirty to twenty Chiefs is, I think, what the score is going to be. Bill, I'm going to pick Philadelphia just for something different. I'm going to say it's going to be a low-scoring game, twenty to seventeen, is what I'm picking, and I'm sticking to it. Go okay. take it away, Robert. Um, well, uh, I, I picked Philadelphia at the beginning of the season, and that's one of my picks in the contest, and I'm going to stick with it. I think it'll be Eagles 34, Chiefs 27. Tom? Well, I am going to go with Kansas City, and except I'm thinking it's going to be Kansas City 34 and Philadelphia 24. So I think it's going to be close game through most of it, and then Kansas City in the fourth quarter is going to jump on out and get that victory. So, and, yeah. and if Kansas City wins, Sean uh, will have the distinction, he and uh, Al from Cleveland, of having picked them to go all the way at the beginning of the season. So that's why we're mm-hmm. thinking about doing a counter pick, even if we think Kansas City might win, because if, to have a chance, uh, maybe we can pull something off of Philadelphia. Pulls like out, like me and Rick did with the Eagles in the yeah. contest. Yep. Yeah. Right, right. Yep. So well, and boy, the, you, you know what? And that's the thing in the contest. You you sometimes you have to if you're down at the end, you kind of have to pick something yeah. you may not want to pick. Well, it's just no, like yeah. actually, it's like a football game because you know you throw, yep. you you know that you you have a good running game and stuff, but you don't have time and you got to throw. You know that's just the way it is. So sometimes you have to do that. Well, last week I was a little facetious around here, and I said. <laughs> Um, about a minute before the show ended, I said, any more updates on Sean Payton there, uh, Perry? And Perry said, no, there aren't. Well, about 10 minutes later, there was. So I wasn't too far off. 
Sean Payton, sometimes these stories just sort of uh, happen very quickly. And Sean Payton will coach the Denver Broncos. Uh, he, uh, New Orleans will get from Denver, I guess, a round one in 2023 and a round two in 2024. And Denver will get a round three from New Orleans in 2024. So sort of flip-flopping in 24. But uh, anyway, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be uh, Russell Wilson and, and Sean Payton. And, I, I, you know, I think what I was hearing today on uh, the sports show was they're kind of saying, you know, this at least is a guy that he's going to kind of have to listen to. He's guy, he's a guy who's known as a really good coach. He's not some you know, rookie, uh, you know, off the hay wagon like uh, Hackett was, and he's going to have to pay attention. Not that Pete Carroll's a slouch, you know. People know that Pete Carroll's a good coach, and they would start to have trouble. So I just wonder if well, Wilson and apparently Chris, they were a lot. The Broncos were allowing personal coaches in the locker room under Hackett. Yeah, and uh, Sean Payton yeah. said that is not going to be allowed. He said in the no, locker no. room, it's going to be the team. He said I've never heard of allowing people like that, and so it's not going to happen here. Right now, and Rick, he has uh, the. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sean. Sorry, I was going to say he has the purse. He has the full support. Remember the new ownership group, the Walmart people, the Walmart son-in-law or whatever son has already. They have officially fully taken over and everything. So uh, Payton is, you know, they are totally behind Peyton. They were not behind Hackett. Like I said, that was a bring-in from the previous ownership, the Bowen Trust, and you know, they're really, really high on Peyton. And we'll see if Peyton can clean them up and he can yeah. clean Russell Wilson up. What are you going to say, Robert? You're, you're our NFL guy. Maybe you can explain this. My understanding was that Denver did not have any first-round picks because of what they gave to Seattle. I know Seattle gets a pick from Denver this year. So did, did Denver have two picks in 23, and they gave one to Seattle and one to New Orleans? Is that how it works? Or, or? I have, I have, you know, I have no idea. I, I, you know, I, I was on the, the assumption like you were that they didn't have one. I can't remember a recent trade where they would have gotten another one, number one pick. Well, this they is the number one pick they're getting from New Orleans for this year, right? I don't know what's happening in 24. No. No, no, they're giving yeah. that pick to New Orleans. They're giving a pick to New Orleans. Yeah. Oh, okay. they have a pick. They have a pick from a previous trade in twenty three. I can't remember who it was with, but okay. they do have a they do have a pick that they're giving up in twenty three, and that's okay. what's going to New Orleans. Oh, would with they have gotten a, Would they have gotten a number one for Chubb from Miami? They, yeah, they yes, might have. Yes, that's what it was. That's okay. exactly what it was. It was the it was the Chubb trade. They got it from so they're. So New Orleans is actually getting Miami's number one pick for 23. Yeah. And for, remember, that, Miami Denver lost did. a pick this year because of the whole Stephen Ross scenario. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, that explains it. Okay, okay. Uh, go yeah. ahead, Chris. Sorry. All right. Well, that's okay. Tom Brady retired again. Now we did this last year, and <laughs> uh, I think we you pretty much covered it. But we got different statistics, and we got different take on it. I'm telling you, I, I uh, we had put on the system of David USF uh, sent us the NFL. They could have. They wanted to kiss the ring, kiss his feet. Oh, he's such a genuine guy. He went right out on the beach and just retired, you know, and it was so wonderful. And it, well, this is the second time. You, I don't know how to do it right. I mean, it's settled down. <laughs> yeah, he's. I like people. I like the way he did it this time. He just said, "I already had a big speech last time. I'm done." Yeah, yeah that, I'll give him credit for this one. He just said, "I'm yeah, out." But still, yeah. You know, whatever. I mean, some Groundhog like, Day, basically the Bill Murray yeah. movie, Groundhog yeah, Day. It's going to happen. Yeah, he's going to retire every February first. 
Yeah, I'm not totally convinced that he is done. I, I'm not I'm either. Not either. <laughs> I'm not either, Rick. When I first when I first heard it, I said yes, but now he's you know this putting off his Fox thing till 2024. That's yeah. kind of saying, well, if I go back, you know, and the um and he said on a podcast that you can never say something's never going to happen. I think, especially if you got now you got San Francisco where Purdy's going to be out for at least six months. That's the minimum. And it'll it probably be longer be, than, and it'll be longer than that, yeah. probably. Yeah, I could, you know if Shanahan gives Brady a call for one year with that team, I could see him going back. It could be, could be. So, um, so he was with the Patriots. So we got to run down the <clears throat> final stats. We don't know that uh, from 2000 to 2019, of course, with the Patriots. And then Tampa Bay 20 to 22, 3,300, uh, 335 games he started. So the only two games he played in that he didn't start were memorable when he came in Thanksgiving Day when the Patriots were getting blown out against Detroit and then the game when Bledsoe got hurt and, uh, you know, he just came in with about two minutes to go and couldn't move the team. So that's a pretty amazing statistic. You know, 333 of 335. 64.3% passing. That's that's amazing too. 8 89,214 yards. Uh, I don't know how many miles that is, but that's a long way. 649 touchdowns. He ran it for 1,123 yards and uh, 28 rushing touchdowns. Now, that's a lot of run. He was really, I didn't write down the attempts, but he only averaged about two hours a run, yeah, two, uh, two yards two a run. So, yeah. yeah. You know, there was, there was something like But 28 rushing touchdowns in the regular season. You know, most of them were quarterback sneaks. They were. They yeah. were. Yeah. And uh, But they, I can remember as a Patriots fan him running for some, some key first downs that were longer. You know, sometimes it would be third and six and nobody's open. He'd run and he'd make it. So, you know, he could do that sometimes. Uh, for the playoffs, 62.5% of his passes, 13,400 yards, 88 touchdowns, and he ran for 133 yards and seven touchdowns. I think, if I remember right, in that snowball, the first touchdown that the Patriots got in that playoff game was him running it in, I think, if I remember right. He uh, he was in seven Super Bowls. He won five Super Bowl MVPs, three league MVPs. The comeback player, of course, in 2009 off his injury. 15 Pro Bowls, which is a record. And uh, so that that's amazing statistics. I mean greatest of all time and now Rick I assume you've been hearing uh, comments today about Belichick and uh, and uh, Brady got together last night on the yeah, the, yeah first Jim Gray show there yes yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I don't know people are I don't know people are driving me crazy you know I just, you know they, they're like they're saying well he doesn't mean it and Bill doesn't mean it and I'm not saying they do but it's like a divorced couple who who all right we're going to be friends with everybody we don't want to have sides here We'll, we'll, everything wasn't great, but we'll come out and we'll be friends with people. And, you know, we're not going to drag our dirty linen through the... And people can't accept that. It's like, well, they don't really mean it. Well, no, maybe not, but so what? Who cares? You know, I, I don't get this, you know, so far about Tom Brady. And just when it starts to die down, yes, and that, I think you're right, Rick. I think, but boy, Sports Talk Radio in Boston, what would they? What are they going to do without him? I don't even know. Yeah, well, I mean, fell fell going mad. mad that's right. That's got to have a negative thing to go. Well, or that's got no show. But, you know, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so Brock Purdy. Uh, it may depend as far as how, how long he's going to be out on what they find when they get in there. That's what I've heard. 
And uh, so I don't know when. Now, they may be waiting, and, of course, this has been, what, a week and a half since the injury. They may be waiting to, for it to, the swelling to go down. I know somebody I've been hearing about lately that you couldn't do the surgery yet on their broken wrist because the swelling wasn't down. So sometimes you can go right in and sometimes you can't. So is, is that what you're hearing, Robert, that that's why they're waiting? Yes. Um, they're, not, they're, um, they're not only waiting... They're not only waiting for the swelling to go down, uh, uh, he's also getting different opinions from different surgeons, Uh you know, and see, the different surgeons are also talking to the 49ers and saying, look, it may not be six months like you want it to be, it could be the full year, you know, it depends on what we see when we finally open it up. Yeah, that's right. And so I don't understand, uh, they had their final uh, press conference last week. And I don't understand Shanahan's and Lynch's attitude. Well, we've got two quarterbacks. We don't need to go look for anybody else. That is a, now. I'm not a 49er fan. If, if you're gonna if you're gonna play it like that, that'll make me happy. But uh, if you're a 49er fan, you want your team to actually go find somebody because you may be without. Uh, well, well, but you know how these things work, Robert. They may say yeah. one thing and be doing something totally different. Oh, sure. Different. Yeah. Yeah. And that could be yeah. going right with what Rick is talking about, that they yeah. already know that they have, yep. you know, that they're not going to talk about it till right around March 15th, but they got a little wink-wink uh, thing with Tom Brady going on, for all we know. You yeah. know? Well, not only that, uh, from what I understand, the 49ers are talking to the Raiders so about Derek Carr. So Right. Well, that leads into our next thing. I'm going to read what I wrote down. Again, though, Chris, Chris Russo will go hate. He'll... he'll Oh, I know. Jump out of <laughs> well, there'll be so many Brent Favre mentions here. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so Robert, I'm just going to read what I got out of the... Uh, you meant, And I'm not saying you said anything wrong, or I was not understanding exactly, and maybe between you and Rick, you could explain this to me. Okay. But Carr can speak to other teams now. I heard that that's okay. And he's got a no-trade clause. Well, I don't clause. think that's true. Uh, no. Uh, Rick, no. from what I'm hearing from uh, Raiders people and, and, uh, and radio in Vegas... He's allowed to speak to other teams uh, because other teams have agreed to trade packages. But um, oh, for trade, yeah. But uh, he can only speak to the teams that the Raiders have talked to. I see. And, and they okay. can that they they, they to to save all the as much money as they can. I guess they have to cut him if they're going to cut him by like next Wednesday. Right. And, and, and once right. by February fifteenth, you are okay. and once, free agent, yeah. right? Yeah, and once they do that, he can start making any deal he wants with any team, which gives him a good, you know, head start over guys like Rodgers, and you know he can talk well, to teams before because that would be tampering if Rodgers did it. Right, right, right. But, and yeah. here's the problem with Rodgers: he, of course, we know he does all of his stuff on the Pat McAfee show. He was on there today, oh. and uh, it's either next week or the following week. He's going on a dark retreat for yes <laughs> and making his decision he'll probably have a decision a couple of weeks after that so the Raiders might be definitely out for him if he can't make a decision any quicker than that yeah well yeah. Uh, as a Raider fan I'm personally okay if they're out with him <laughs> um, look um, that, that's one of the reasons why I was, why, I, why I was so against Tom Brady uh, I don't want a quarterback to come in here for one year and then, okay, I'm going to retire. I want uh, uh, I want something now, granted, he's hurt all the time, I get it, but I'd rather have somebody like Jimmy, Jimmy G come in and you know he's going to be around. Yes, he's going to be hurt, 
that's why you have Jared Stidham as a good backup, just in case. I mean, yeah. I, either that or, you know, uh, have have a guy like uh, Jimmy G in, and you have Stidham as a backup, and you, then you draft a quarterback in the draft, and you've got a year or two to develop whoever that is. I think, I think the problem they have, Robert, with the draft is there's not a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. No. The no, only way... They would, the only way they could get possibly Bryce Young or Stroud from Ohio State, who those are seemingly the best two, you would have to somehow really try to trade that pick. Yeah. You know, trade to get the Bears' number one pick if you because somebody will take one of one of those guys pretty quick. Now, one of the good signs for you, Robert, is they were saying, uh, and I forget which. You know, they they have these guys coming. I don't even know their voices, but these different Patriots, uh, you know, reporters and beat beat guys come into the uh, sports hub, and they were saying that Jimmy G is a very he wants the familiar. He wants to work with people and be with people that he knows. He is not adventurous. He does not want to. You know, I mean, he got to know the people in San Francisco. That's fine. He wouldn't mind staying if maybe if things could work out financially or what. But she, uh, you know, you know, McDaniel's is is familiar to him, so yeah. that that's an inside track for the Raiders as opposed to going to the Jets or something like that. You know. But my only my G. only problem with him is he never stays healthy. I know. I know. No. So. So you know, but but that's that's a good sign for for possibilities for the Raiders. Right. So. We once again have declined. The networks were at, Fox was after us, but we have declined to buy a thirty-second spot on the Super Bowl <laughs> for our show because it's seven million dollars. It's a minute or nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Fourteen million, and they, you know, we couldn't work this. You know, they have too many. They have too many beer ads and uh, you know everything. Uh, that you know it was funny when I used to watch football on TV, and uh, you know I got used to you know we'd see the same ads for this, that, and the other thing over and over again. The Super Bowl, and I'm like. Wait a minute! What is this female deodorant on here for? You know, or whatever it is. It's just the ads that have nothing to do with anything you've seen all year. And the problem with the commercials now. Go ahead, Sean. Sorry. They de- they debut them all before the Super Bowl now, so they're even out. Like yeah. they'll even show them the night before, and it's like, well, what's the point? You're paying all this. That's what I mean. They have Bud Bowl. That was one of the greatest with yeah. the buds and the Bud Lights playing yeah, yeah, beer, yeah, yeah. playing football. I mean, that yeah. was, and I think that's where the frogs were introduced. Uh, yep. Uh, and a lot of their, a lot of those, and now they're not as good. They're paying more, and we already know what they are than if uh, like a couple of days before. It is so funny because I always want to listen to the game on the radio, you know, and I'm going to be going back and forth between the Chiefs and the Eagles, and I like uh, both sets of announcers. So that's fine, but I'm going to be doing that. And you hear these strange comments about, I really like that part with the ostrich, you know, the next day. Like, what the heck are they talking about? An ostrich? Yeah. You know, some, something really weird like that. It's just, okay, I guess I had to be there. I and mean, I know I wasn't. But the prices have doubled uh, for in, uh, from 10 years ago. And there again, you're, you're going along with um, saying that the top uh, programs, you know, the Super Bowl has always been near the top. Well, not always, always, but, you know, since first three or four. But because uh, it used to be run on Sunday afternoons at one o'clock and everything else, but yeah. once they moved it to you know pretty much prime time six o'clock Sunday evening, it's been near the top. But my point is that you know now with all the sports programs being the top shows, it's just more and more that uh, you know that the ads would double because this is they know people are going to actually watch these things. Oh yeah, and yeah. I think for the first and time in Super Bowl history, Budweiser will not have an ad this year. Wow, they will. Yes, yes, they will. Yes, they will. By the way, oh, let's they go will? To, uh, okay. Yes, let's go to Pierre. 
Pierre, he wants to get in on the discussion. Hey, Pierre. Well, well, the first thing is we couldn't pay fourteen million dollars for for a minute in the Super Bowl because Chris can't say anything in a minute. No, that's that true. There's a point to be made there, Pierre. So we'd have to pay. So Pierre, we'd have to pay billions, and it might take five minutes, right? <laughs> but, uh, but the people in New Orleans are mad because Sean Payton is coming in and stealing all the Saints' coaches. This oh, week, yeah. He got Jack, uh, uh, Zach Streif, the, the offensive, the defensive line coach. He got the, uh, the Saints' defensive coordinator and, and a couple of more coaches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Saints, uh, people in New Orleans aren't pleased at well, well, Pierre. By the way, by the way, guys, an update: um, the bottle of pop is now open. All right, uh, Pierre, All right. you were you were correct. You were correct when the, our producer in the five one five got home. She opened it, and it was on there so tight she had to use her teeth to do it. Ooh. Oh, that's what I do. I do it all the time. Rick cringes every time I do yes, it. Yes, I do. Oh. <laughs> so, so Pierre, now remind me who came in as coach of the same. Was he an assistant with Peyton, and that's why they kept the same coaches? You what now? When Pey- when Peyton left, and uh, who's their coach now? Who's the head coach? Saint Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen. Was he an assistant with Peyton? So that's why they kept the same coaches. Yes. Right. Well, that was a danger. See, I mean, they knew that Peyton was apt to get a job. I mean, I'm not saying you know they got a year out of it. When you do, you know, it's, you um, know. when Pierre is done, Dick, you're going to be next, and you're already unmuted. So don't worry about it. Go just okay. Be, be ready. Just to say. Okay, Pierre's done. So, Dick, okay, uh, welcome done. aboard. Okay. Hello, everybody. I hope everyone's hey, doing well. Hey, listen, I just heard something this afternoon that I thought was pretty interesting. The mm-hmm. Eagles, they want to defend. When they've played a top-notch quarterback, they've been torched. Uh, look at Dallas. Uh, that last game on uh, Christmas, was it Christmas Eve? Uh, they scored lots of points. Uh, yep. Green Bay scored lots of points. And I would think we can say that uh, Mahomes is a pretty decent quarterback. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. The Eagles, Eagles are point and a half favorite. I just looked at odds.com uh, and uh, one and a half points. Well, yeah, I guess it's the injuries with the Chiefs. That, you know, all the wide receivers getting hurt that day and, you know, against the uh, um, Bengals. And uh, so that's what, you know, I'm, we're going to go over that in a minute because I do know some people are coming back and some aren't. And, and maybe other people have more information on who's going to play and who's not. But, uh, you know, it's the Eagles aren't known for their defense. I, I don't think – neither team really is. You know, it's really the offenses. But I think the Eagles have a, a good running game, uh, you know, and uh, but I, I think they're passing – it really depends on how healthy Hurts is. You know, he isn't totally. I mean, Mahomes is. You know, we're questioning him because of his more recent injury, but Hurts still needs to kind of show that he didn't really have a game where he had to, you know, show too much. So we don't really know how if it get if they get behind because he's a guy that's really the spark for them. Yeah, I think I think the Forty Nine ers shut Hurts down pretty good, but yeah. but the Eagles do have if they have like the third or fourth most sacks any team's ever had in the course of one extra game now um so they you know they they so that's how important it is for Mahomes ankle to be decent yes so Clyde Edwards Solaire is uh, coming back and he's supposed to be there but uh, Miko Hardeman is going to be out and so is there anything else that we've heard on the injury front no I haven't heard anything about uh Kadarius Tony yet or okay. Smith Schuster. Yeah. I, I, Knowing Kadarius Tony like we do, uh, Rick, do you really expect him to play? 
I, I, I actually I do. Heard, I don't know. I, don't I heard yesterday that he will play. But, you know, I okay. think he will, yeah. Okay. And I haven't heard anything about that, that cornerback. He's a sneeze, doesn't he? Yeah. He's been as injured, uh, if not more so, than uh, Garoppolo. Uh, uh, yeah. So that's yeah. the point with him. So, uh, and the Eagles seem to be uh, pretty healthy, I guess, going in. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So we, we just we did uh, uh, allude to it, but Brady is not going to be uh, starting with Fox until 2024, no matter what happens as far as uh, whether he comes back and plays or he doesn't yep. play. He wants to take a year to, to relax and uh, study and learn. And smell the roses. Smell the roses. I think, so. And I think Fox, because... They've been very pleased with Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson as yeah. a team. And I sat, and for the, one of the first times I actually sat down during the championship game and watched the two of them, and they are one of the best tandems on television. You know, I'll, I'm going to go back and forth between them and Kevin Harlan, Kurt Warner. You know, I'll go back and forth between both of them during the game. But they, I, I think they're really pleased about that. Yeah, people say basically they kind of rate, you know, just the general consensus is, you know, uh, Buck and Aikman are the best and they're number two. That's the way That's people right. feel. Uh, I, I don't know if I would. I, I'd, say, I'd say Tariko Collinsworth are better than Buck and Aikman. I, yeah, I, I would too, yeah. Okay. I'm not, and people are raving about Olsen. I don't care for him too much. To me, he talks too much. I don't, he, he, he well, and uh, that's, the, that's the one reason that, that I really, the guy I really don't like, Schlereff. He is brutal at that. Mark Schlereff. Talk, 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 talk. But, and Olsen seems that, you know, after every play, he's still giving analysis when the team's up and ready to send to the back. And I, and I like to, to have a little time for the announcer to say, okay, it's third and eight. We got, you know, whatever. All right. Now, Rick, uh, do you, uh, which one do you like least, Olsen or Romo? Um, uh, Olsen, I think. You know, Romo's, the things I don't like about Romo, but he's entertaining. And he's he's weird, but I, there's some yeah. things I like about him. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but we did lose a, an important NFL figure this week, Bobby Bethard. Uh, I didn't uh, write down father, everything. Father of CJ? Father of CJ, yeah. Grandfather, yeah. father or grandfather? Grandfather. Grandfather of CJ, and who was his son? Her son played, too. Um, what was his son's name? I can't remember now. Oh, his yeah, son is, CJ's father is Casey Bethard. Yeah. Okay, Bethard. yeah. Not familiar. Um, anyway, who is Pete Bethard? I don't know. I don't know. I, think I, know, the Casey, I, think I know the name. I think, I think yeah. Casey was in the music business. Uh, Okay. Chris, yeah. wasn't Pete, Pete Bethard way back in the AFL like a Kansas City running back or something? Maybe. I don't know. I've, you know, yeah. this is what happened. I didn't write it down because I didn't know if we'd <laughs> have time. And so I'm trying to do a thumbnail, and I'm, I'm scraping my thumb on the chalk of the blackboard here. Uh, Bobby Bethard, uh, he was the uh, personnel director with Miami for uh, winning while they had the perfect season and won Super Bowl seven and Super Bowl eight, And then he went to Washington with the Redskins as GM in 78. And he hired Joe Gibbs. That's probably his big uh, claim to fame. And then they won Super Bowls 27 and 31. Then to San Diego, and he was able to get the Chargers into the Super Bowl. They got blown out, but uh, they they still got in there. So that's that's pretty uh, amazing because that's and he he was the one of the first GMs that you saw on a pregame show on a for a year. I think with NBC, he, uh-huh. he was one of the first. Yeah, you didn't see GMs on a pregame show, and he he kind of started that trend. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So any more NFL stuff that we have? No, that's about no. it, I think. Okay. 
All right, on to the NBA. And it's not often we put the NBA second, but when we get into the playoffs, we have the NBA and NHL near the top. But here we are, and it isn't all Kyrie, but, uh, you know, LeBron is tonight as we speak. And, of course, uh, when you guys hear the podcast down the road, it might be over. He's 36 points away from breaking Kareem's scoring record. And he's, again, home game at 10 p.m. Eastern against Oklahoma City. And then, uh, and that's on TNT. And so, uh, Robert, you think that uh, you were saying today, you think that Oklahoma City's defense is bad enough that he should be able to get this done? Well, I'll, I'll, put, I'll put it to you this way, Chris. You know the Warriors are without Steph Curry. They, play, uh, they played the Warriors last night, and without Steph Curry, the Warriors put up 141 points on Oklahoma uh, City's defense. And, and by the way, for those, who, for those who care about such things on uh, TNT, it will be the Brian Anderson crew. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I firmly believe, the, uh, you know, if if the Warriors can put up 141 points without Steph Curry, I think LeBron James can easily get 36 tonight. Yeah, but but you got to remember, the, I I don't know if he'll get all 30 to 36 tonight. But I'm thinking what would be more interesting and for storyline Thursday night on TNT they play Milwaukee. LeBron plays for the Lakers. And he's it's playing against Milwaukee, Kareem's two old teams, you know, and he breaks the record against Kareem's other old team. ABC is hoping that he has a little run and they he or he has a dry spell and he holds on until Saturday, but I don't think that's happening. I think it's either no. tonight or Thursday. And I'm saying this for those of you listening later, Tuesday or Thursday. So you'll yeah, you'll right. if you're listening after Thursday, you'll know and you'll say, hey, you're wrong, you're right, whatever. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So that's why now I'm not predicting it. It's going to happen. It's going to be done. That's that we know that. Barring now, watch you'll get hurt in the first quarter, and then it won't be done. So there you go. I could be wrong too. Hope that isn't the case. Okay. So the reserves for the All Star game were announced. The coaches picked them. Uh, you know, by conference. So the Eastern coaches picked the Eastern. The Western picked the Western. So the reserves uh, were uh, uh, the East was Joel Embiid from Philadelphia, uh, Rosen from the Bulls. Uh, Jalen Brown from the Celtics, uh, Bam Adebayo from Miami, Drew Holiday from Milwaukee, uh, Jay Ran- uh, Lewis Randall from New York, and uh, Tyrese Halliburton from Indiana. I need to apologize. I had the wrong uh, pacer hurt last week. It was Halliburton who was just coming back off injury. He's now back. So maybe the Pacers will get uh, back in the winning. Uh, you know, they were winning pretty good well with him before. He's a very good And player. he's a first-time All-Star. First-time All-Star, right. by the way. Yeah, and he's on the reserves. For the West, we have uh, John Morant from Memphis. Uh, ja. ja. Ja Morant ja, from Mark. Memphis. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you see, I got a, there's a feature. Oh, yeah, I was telling guys before. and I, I just If you ever wonder about some of the names of at least the NBA players, you can ask for a team. Like in order to get some of these Kyrie names straightened out, or at least one of them, I had to ask Miss A about Dallas because that's where they, they were coming from. And she will run down the roster for you. And you can maybe it better than you can on the phone or on the radio or wherever you might hear it somewhere else. So John Morant from Memphis, uh, DeMonte uh, Zabonis from Sacramento, Shea uh, Gelgus Alexander, I guess it is, from Oklahoma yep, City. Gelder. Gelder. Okay. Yeah, first time All-Star. Yeah, Paul George from the Clippers, uh, Damian Lillard, of course, from Portland, uh, Lowry Markkinen from Utah, and Jaron Jackson from uh, Junior from Memphis. 
and somebody will be added to that list because Curry is out of the All-Star game, so they'll end up uh, putting somebody else. One of the reserves will move up to the startings, and then and they'll Kevin Durant will be out. Reserves. Kevin Durant's out, too. So. Kevin Durant, too. So, so someone will be added be to that list. Yeah, yeah. yeah Jalen Brown, uh, he should be back. He had a non-COVID illness uh, yesterday, but I would imagine he'll be back. Uh, so Kyrie from Brooklyn to Dallas. Uh, and it took a while for this. They, the uh, We started to hear about it Sunday afternoon, and the things were changing all the time. But I think finally it became official, I think, around 6 o'clock last night. And I think what is going to happen is the uh, he's going along with uh, Marquise um, Morris. And the Nets are getting back a number, an unprotected number one from 29. And I think they're getting, I think they're getting a, Two and twenty nine, and a one and twenty seven, something like that. No, two twos and twenty seven and twenty nine. Okay, they're getting all the twos to both years, twenty seven and twenty nine, yeah. and an unprotected one and twenty nine. Right there, you go. Yeah, and then and then uh, and then for Spencer Dinwiddie and uh, Dorian Smith Finney, and that's uh, Finney Smith, Finney Smith. That's the Finney game Smith. guy who had to get the name of there from uh, Miss A. Oh. Yeah. So, um, anyway, and, you know, no. she'll do things like that. I mentioned the wide receivers and the football teams and some of these other things. So if you ever aren't sure of a name, it's kind of a cool thing. Now, my question is, how are Luca and Kyrie going to mesh together? Because <laughs> yeah. Kyrie has got to be the quote. You know, how is that? Is that going to hurt Luca? Because, you know, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, uh, that's, Sean, that's I'm afraid that's going to be a bad move for Dallas. I don't think I don't think him and Luca are going to be able to coexist. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I know Mark Cuban wants a second star there because uh, he's always wanted a second star to play with Luca. But uh, I don't. know. It's just me. I think Kyrie is the wrong person to add to that. Yes. Yeah. And this this all started like you said Sunday, early Sunday. It came up that he demanded a trade by Thursday, and then they bench, they said we're going to bench him until we traded him. This all started coming out Sunday morning when he demanded it, it was released that he demanded a trade, and they yeah. got it done within a day and a half. I mean, they well, they, what, they had what, the beginnings of it within about twelve hours. But, but what the owner did, and, and here's the thing: he wanted to go to the Lakers. Kyrie did, yeah. and the owner yeah. said, yeah. "I don't care who you trade him to; he is not going to the Lakers." Right. Yeah. He, and yeah, and Phoenix, fact, he, he, could, he didn't want to send him anywhere he wanted to go. He yeah, wanted to send him somewhere yeah. he wasn't mentioning. The so, Lakers and Phoenix uh, yeah. put together better packages, but he wanted to take the Dallas package because he knew that Kyrie wouldn't want to go there. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so the thing, yeah, well, that's right. It's always, and then we get to the other side of this. I mean, obviously the Nets are now going to, you know, struggle. And the question is, and of course Durant's hurt right now, but there are now rumors about the Celtics with Durant, maybe for Jalen no, Brown. No, the, the Nets have said today they're not trading Durant. That's what they yeah. said today. That, they said that today? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Well, now, again, now we, as, as we said earlier, you know how things yeah. go. They, sometimes <laughs> they say one thing and do another. We know that. That's happens. right. Yeah, and I think that, in fact, Perry, I think the exact words were, we're not planning on trading Durant. Right. So there yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Remember the trade. The trade deadline is 4 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, I believe. Right. Yeah. 4 p.m. or 6 p.m. 4 p.m. or 6 p.m. Somewhere around. I'm not mistaken. Okay, it is 6 p.m. Yeah, they do those later than the other leagues. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and we'll, so, yeah, we'll, so we'll of course see. highlight. And we'll of course highlight things next week if anything big occurs. Right. And the Nets yeah. are. I think they're on TV tonight. And you know, it's like it's all plugged in for the Nets to be on TV. And now they have no Durant, no. Uh, no, Hayward. They're playing hard. I'll tell you what. He's got them playing hard. That's not the issue. But they were already struggling without Durant. 
And, you know, they, they were under 500 from the time Durant went out. So they really needed the both of them there. They had quite a good streak where they win, like 17 out of 20 with, with both of them. And they only played 74 games. That's right, Sean. They only played 74 games together in the whole time. You know, I assume that includes and, and the And at the time that he was a Nick, Kyrie only played in 50% of the games for one reason or another. Yeah. yeah, and we know half of mostly the reason was the uh, thing with uh, COVID. So there you go. Um, so yeah, Kyrie will uh, now, but he's not signed a long-term contract. Apparently, he'll be a free agent at the end of the year, as I understand. Yeah, it. correct. So yep. you know, but Cuban ha- apparently Cuban has a lot of money that he can spend if he elects to do it. You know, on Kyrie. Yeah. And, yeah, and I, you can't always tell if half a year is enough to drive you. You know, I mean, <laughs> I think we're still okay with Kyrie after two years, or the third year was the one that uh, blew it up. So, oh, you, you Jason Kidd's the kind of coach that can deal with Kyrie's mess. That's my question. I don't know. Was he coaching? Apparently, he? Jason Kidd was one of the players when he first came that was apparently able to to kind of reason with him. Yeah, I, oh, okay. is what they're saying. That's what, yeah, because he coached the Nets, remember, back at yeah. the beginning, I think. Right. So, so anyway, so, uh, Robert, what's the latest on stuff, Steph Curry? I know he's going to miss the All-Star game, and he's going to uh, be well, back in March, the, I guess. The Warriors are saying that uh, he's definitely going to miss the you know five games, now four games, prior to the All-Star game. Plus, he'll miss the All-Star game itself. Uh, and they say they're going to update everybody on February 23rd. Uh, when everybody comes back from the All-Star game, um, they're gonna they're they're gonna consult with their medical people and and see if he'll be ready to play by then or what the status is. Okay. All right. So I guess we can go to our baseball thing. And there's only a couple of things. I have a comment that I'm going to make, but we can go with the new the one news item that I know of. And the Perry's always got news. I mean, even if he has to make them up, he can come. <laughs> well, there is one. So, he show uh, Perry Manazian again says they are not trading Shohei Otani uh, and he will make one start before he leaves to go play in the WBC. Okay. And Carlos Correa will not play in the WBC. All right. So Pat McCarthy is being named the uh, the uh, announcer to partner with Howie Rose with the Mets. He's the son of Tom McCarthy and uh, he did the games with the uh, uh, what is it, the Lehigh, Lehigh Valley, Valley Iron, Pigs. Iron Pigs, yes, right. Yeah. And I so, have, and I have heard him. You know, listening to minor, I've heard him. He is good. I bet he is. I bet he is. I think and this is going to work out well. Apparently, he did a few. He did a few games with the Phillies, um, as well. So, you know, yeah. Well, I hope they do something to to have them work together. Maybe the first series there they play or something like that, because that'll be kind of cool, both on Mets Radio and on Philly's TV. I think that'll be good, and I think people would enjoy that. Uh, like they, we had Dave and Rick and, uh, and Will Fleming do it here, you know, with the Giants and Red Sox. And I was saying maybe they'll do that again because that was three or four years ago, and now Will's a lot more well known. So they might uh, try to work that out again with the Giants and the and the Red Sox. But uh, and and Tom actually. She worked for the Mets. I went back and looked in Wikipedia because I was pretty sure he had, and I knew he did, but I wasn't sure what years. 06 and 07, he was on Mets radio. So, uh, you know, he went back and forth. He'd been with the Phillies and, and was the host and a part-time play-by-play guy. Then got a better, you know, moved up as the number two guy in the radio booth in 6 and 7. And then the Phillies brought him back in in 8. And, of course, 
that when Harry Callis died in 2009, he became the TV voice. So. See, and I think Chris, as as good as he is on TV, I think Tom is better on radio. Oh yeah, I really enjoyed those innings that he was doing when, during the postseason. I did. With the t- I did too. Yeah. So my comment was going to be, if we uh, had the regular format with the panel, and again, we'll be able to throw in these comments in the sports, or, or uh, if we have time, do some panels at the end. But my mm-hmm. thing is, we brought in Heimbloom in the 2019. <laughs> and we brought him in, and the deal was, okay, he's not going to be like, um, you know, the guy uh, that went to photo. I'm, not, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Dumb, Dave Dombrowski. Dave Dombrowski. He's not going to be like that. He's not going to trade away all the projects. He's going to get his prospects. And even if we lose people like that, and we lose people like Bogart, he's going to get his prospects because he knows how to scout players. And he knows what he's doing, and everything's going to be fine. And, well, okay, this is the story. I think it's Baseball America. They rank the, the farm systems. I know everybody does them. You know, there's different publications that do it. So what is the rank, ranking for the Red Sox in the farm system? Number 23. Number 23 out of 30 teams are the Boston Red Sox. And who's number 22? Who just was in the World Series? Who contends all the time? The Philadelphia Phillies with Dave Jombrowski. So there you go. I, I don't... I mean, if, if he... Now, they... Alex Cora is a really great manager. He can do a lot. And, you know, you can have where everybody... Last year, we had tons of injuries here. People had horrible years. You know, just... It was, if, if you were playing, you were hurt. It was a mess. This year, they might be very healthy. They do have some new players. They might have some career years. I mean, you can catch lightning in a bottle. It could be 67 all over again. But, I mean, it, it's got to be, I think, for this guy to keep his job. This is not the way you want to look at your team where you say... And they don't. It's not that they don't spend money. This is not like some cheapo organization doesn't is now beating the bushes looking for talent. So you know this is this is ridiculous. And of course they've still got a high payroll. They're just over, I think, the luxury tax too. So they, they're the best, the worst of both worlds. They haven't got created a good farm system, and they're paying a lot of players who are a lot of retreads. As I went through the starting rotation last week, so you know this is uh, not boding well, but. Anything can happen, but uh, you know we'll have to see what it, what else. As a and Chris, Con- fan. and as a, hold on, hold on, Robert, just one second. Okay. Con- just um, on the opposite of that, our general manager here, Sam Burnaby, says he thinks that in Des Moines we are probably going to have the most prospects that we've had in, at one time in a long time. So okay. I guess if you enjoy um, listening to a team with good prospects. Check out the Iowa Cubs. You're just tell your just tell your smart speaker to play KPSZ, and you can listen to every game home and away. Okay, so uh, my, go, go ahead, Robert. Go ahead, Robert. My question for Boston fans: uh, Are you all saying now, well, gee, Dave Dombrowski took the Phillies to the World Series? Um, did we make a mistake in getting rid of him? Yeah. You know, the deal is at the time it sounded good and, you know, but the first thing he had to do, and I felt bad for him, he it had already been decided that Mookie Best was going to go. And his, his first job is get as much as you can from Mookie Best. But what right. you got from Mookie Best, uh, Verdugo's been, eh, and everything else has been, not, you know, nothing. You know, hadn't gotten right. anything back. And then from there, then you say, okay, now the slate is clean. Now he's responsible for creating the great farm system went out and got uh mayor you know the shortstop 
with the fourth pick because they finished last in 2020. But you say, okay, 2020, we'll throw that out. Then they go to the final four in 21, but then they're back in last place again last year. Again, with a lot of injuries, things didn't break right for them. They say perhaps they have a better bullpen, but that's a crapshoot. You never know about a bullpen until it actually starts to pitch, so we don't know. But, you know, the the indications are they'll be battling the Orioles for last place. And both teams will be decent. They'll be around 500. It's not that they're terrible teams, but it's just – and can – core get more out of these guys and can and they the or- and the Orioles Chris they're on the they're the Orioles are on the ups the uptick right because they've got some prospects yeah. and the thing everybody said I about Dombrowski is the reason you get rid of the reason you get rid of Dombrowski is because he may win you a championship but he's going to ruin your farm team well if, you know, farms you know if they have if their farm is one better than us then what was the Whatever. reason to get rid of them I, yeah right yeah that's right Okay, any more um, baseball? Oh, also, we they were tying today on MLB Network Radio about top 10 catchers, you know, in the major leagues. And uh-huh. one guy they think they left off is Tyler Stevenson of the Reds. Bill, would you at this point in his career say Tyler Stevenson is one of the 10 greatest catchers in the league? No. Because? because he's just not played enough. He doesn't stay on the field. If he did that, that's a possibility, but he's not there yet, in my humble okay. opinion. He only he was hurt three times with major injuries last year. He wasn't able, he's never been able to play a whole season. So... No. Yeah, that's what I was telling somebody who was who's a Cardinals fan who was asking me about Wilson Contreras. Why didn't the Cubs resign him? And I said, well, I don't know all the reasons, but I said one of them could be that you know he's going to spend three or four times on the shelf each year. You know, maybe <laughs> yeah. not long periods of time, but he'll at least go on there three or four times. Right. Okay. Well, pitchers and catchers will be reporting as we speak next week, so yes, uh, that'll next be good. Week, that's correct. All right. So we have college basketball. I'm going to run down the top 25. We have a couple of top 25 games tonight that I saw on the TV listings. And so number one is Purdue. Uh, Indiana beat them the other day, but they're still number one. Number two is Houston. Three, Alabama. Four, Arizona. Five, Texas. Six, Tennessee. Seven, UCLA. Eight is Virginia. Nine, Kansas. Ten is Marquette, who's going to be in one of those top 25 games tonight. Eleven, um, uh, oh, I'm Iowa sorry. State. Uh, Iowa, State. Iowa State. Yeah, it is. Yep, you're right. Twelve is Kansas State. Thirteen Xavier. Fourteen Baylor. Fifteen uh, St. Mary's of California. Sixteen Gonzaga. Seventeen TCU. Eighteen Indiana. Of course, they beat Purdue, so they're in there. Nineteen is Miami. Twenty is Providence. Twenty-one UConn. They're going to play Marquette tonight. So there you go. Twenty-two NC State. Twenty-three Creighton. I told you. Uh, that John Rook was talking, the voice of the Friars was talking about, that they were going to get winning because they had their best player back, and here they are in the top 25. 24 is Rutgers, who's going to play Indiana tonight, and 25 is San Diego State. So we have, and this is a question for you guys who follow the national better. I'm seeing six Big 12 teams in the yep. top 25 and five Big East teams in the top 25. Does that make them the best conferences? Oh... Uh... Big, the Big Twelve. I'm yeah. hearing stuff with the Big Twelve. I'm hearing Sean with the Big Twelve. They we had on our, one of our local shows. They had one of the big uh, college basketball, and they said we could see Big Twelve games in the Sweet Sixteen and the Elite Eight. And boy, if we do, yes. those are going to be some great games. Yeah, no, like the the 
Big East, your top five or six, yeah, I think those are the five that will get in. You may see one or two others, but, yep. you know, like I said, the Big Ten, I think maybe a little deeper, but they're just not ranked in the top 25, Correct. I think. Is, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, so, um, so Sean, you had a note about Oklahoma and uh, what's and, uh, what's going on with uh, them possibly uh, staying a little longer in the Big 12. Well, okay, as we know, Texas and Oklahoma had to stay in the Big 12. The TV deal start, you know, July of 25. July 1st, 25 is when they could, the last, you know, when the TV deal with the Big 12 was up. But it looked like they were about to make an announcement that they would leave after this next season, the 23-24 season, which would be July 1st, 24. ESPN's okay. Big 12's okay. Texas, Oklahoma, SEC. It's like everybody's on board. But Fox is kind of going, well, wait a minute, because some of our top games involve Texas, or Oklahoma, or both of them. You know, that game is one of their two highest-rated college games every year, and they're scheduled to have it in 24. So they're wanting either some cash or some games. You know, you may see you may see some trades. Remember, Joe Buck was traded for a Penn State-Purdue game uh, yeah. with Fox last year, so he was <laughs> traded for Penn State and Purdue. So you could see some, that was part of the deal and, to get him, But so you could see something like that. And Brett Yarmark, the Big 12 commissioner, said today that even though there may be a little hiccup in the road, he thinks this could still all be worked out and, and they may still be oh, yeah. out as the schedule. Well, they, they're waiting on the Pac-12 teams because uh, on this new TV uh, possibility, four, four of the ten remaining Pac-12 teams voted for it, six voted against. They're waiting on the Utah and call it the Southern schools and the Pac-12 to kind of say, hey, let's go on over to the Big 12. That's what they're waiting yeah. on. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so any other college notes we should kind of hit on today? Not really. No, just, not I really. mean, if, if you like college basketball, this is your time because the, the yep. NCAA yes. is about a little over a month away. And believe it or not, by this time next month, college tournaments will be underway. That's right. Yes. That's right. And we had we this past week we had six ranked mat, top twenty five matchups on Saturday, and five of the lower ranked teams and won. You know, another th- <laughs> another thing with college basketball too. We had a game here in Des Moines last Wednesday, Northern Iowa and Drake. And I mean, most people, you know, the, who cares about that? Um, huh. But they had um, two overtimes, and Bowen Bourne. Not only did he hit a three-pointer to send it into the first overtime, he hit a three-pointer to send it to the second overtime. Wow. And uh, Drake ended up winning, but, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, that was something else to see a game yeah. like that. No, it's a fun, uh, it's fun. And, uh, like I said, it'll be a couple of good ones tonight, so we'll see what happens. Okay, for the NHL, I'll give you a couple of news and notes before we do the standings, our look at the standings, quick look. Bo Horvat is signed an eight-year deal with the New York Islanders. They just got him from Vancouver, remember, and he's the scoring punch they need. So they're Jamal, hold on, Chris. Jamal, go ahead and start unmuting, and then we'll get to you in just a second. Yeah, so and so he's signed an eight-year. Robert didn't have the money on that. And uh, Marty Walsh is going to leave the Biden administration as the Secretary of Labor and head the NHL Players Association. So uh, that's, uh, I guess, Donald Fear must be retiring or something. We haven't heard yes, he yes, anything he about the NHL. Uh, you know, they've had and labor that was, pieces. Then that was just made official a couple hours ago. Right. Yeah. So uh, there you go. So we got Jamal. Let's go ahead. Go ahead, Jamal. Yeah. couple things here. Why would Marty Walsh leave 
the Biden administration doing it to the NHL Players Association. Because he, he, mean, probably you know, gets, he probably gets a much more higher paycheck, Jamal, just simply put. Correct. Yeah. And, and he, um, he's a big hockey fan, and uh, let's face it, Donald Fear, was, uh, he's uh, more known for baseball, uh, and having a hockey guy you know, who follows hockey in charge of the Players Association will probably be better for the NHL. And often, okay. Jamal, after two years of, a, of an administration, you tend to see after the midterms, I've you seen do. many administrations the day after about three cabinet members leave. So this is not unusual. Right. Well, but it was just kind of surprising that he would pick the NHL of all places. But digressing to college basketball, I heard you all read the top 25. There was what I think up until like yesterday, was like about six way tie for a third place in the Big Ten. Yep, I think yep. with Northwestern, well, Illinois, uh, Indiana, and that's Iowa. big. And that's big. That's big, Jamal, because you don't want to finish any lower than four. Because if you do, you have to play all four days, and then of yep. course eleven, twelve, thirteen, and fourteen have to play five days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it'll be interesting how many schools make the. Uh, tournament for the Big Ten. I'm It'll hearing, be, I'm hearing that, seven or eight, Jamal. Yeah. Seven or eight? What, do you, what um, are you hearing from the SEC? Um, maybe four. Maybe four or five. Four or five. Uh, other, yeah. other than maybe Tennessee and Bama, who else is in line in the SEC? Auburn. Auburn. Auburn, Arkansas. Okay. Auburn and Arkansas are two that I'm hearing a lot from. Yeah. And okay. possibly, if they, and if they get hot, possibly A&M. Yeah. Okay, because A&M has like 16 wins. From what I understand. Remember, yeah. remember so that, though, Jamal, that really that. doesn't, the, the number of wins really doesn't matter anymore. They, it's, it's yeah. who you beat, how you, how many who you want. beat yeah. and how you scheduled. Well, that's true. Um, and guys, we have yeah. to um, get ready because our guest is just arriving. Oh, is she? Okay. okay. All right. Well, anyway, um, yeah, we, uh, we will get back next week. We'll flip-flop our things. I was going to do the NHL, uh, go through and explain the NHL standings, but we can do that next week and do the NBA the week after, and uh, that's fine, too. So uh, if we're ready, I Are guess we, ready? we could, uh, could uh, bring on Colby Garrison. Okay, Colby, welcome aboard. How are you? Uh-oh, is she in me? Look, is she oh. muted? She, she wouldn't muted? do that. She, she's a, she runs the thing about muting and unmuting. She knows how to do that. <laughs> she is muted. Yeah. So, Colby, if you could unmute yourself, please. <laughs> Great time. Muting and unmuting is her life. <laughs> and and by the way, while she's unmuting, she, of course, is star Vivid, a, uh, yes. a NASCAR documentary about a blind person with uh, in NASCAR. You can go get it on YouTube or you can go listen at 773-572-572. Six three five three. If you want to hear it, I'll leave it up all month. If you want to hear the audio of it, so let's see. And I would love to be able to help with that unmuting process. But unfortunately, Zoom won't let me help you. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, now she just left. So we'll see. She probably we'll see and come back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Trying to come back and then yeah. So but, we'll, and, but, we'll yeah, just like, so Jamal. Did you a, have any? Hold on, Jamal. Did you have anything else before? As since we interrupted you. Yeah. Yes, I have one more quick inquiry. Okay. Now, what do you now since the Bears have the number one pick in the NFL draft and have a ton of cap space? What acquisitions are you hearing? I heard somebody this morning was telling me that the Bears were possibly interested in potential free agent receivers, uh, Michael Thomas and Mike Evans. I don't know how accurate that is. 
Um, what I've heard, Jamal, and what I've read in the Chicago Tribune, if the Bears keep the pick, they want to pick a defensive player. And, and Colby, try that put, unmuting again. And if you if you if you get unmuted, just tell me you're unmuted, and I'll we'll bring you on. Yeah. So, perfect. I should be unmuted. You you're unmuted. Yeah, good, 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 good. You're unmuted. Okay, guys, we will go to our guest now. This is Colby Garrison. She's going to be our guest as we ask you questions. Colby, we will tell you who we are. But first of all, why don't you kind of just introduce yourself, talk about NASCAR a little bit, and then we'll go from there. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me uh, to talk about one of my and by the way, subjects. That is oh, Perry, by the way. It is. But I'll, that is Perry. If I ask that a question, Perry, I'll, I, yes. Good, Sean. Yeah. Colby, please go ahead. Oh. So, uh, just thank you so much for having me uh, on to talk about uh, one of my favorite subjects, which, of course, is NASCAR. Um, and uh, very excited for the upcoming 2023 season. We've already had uh, the clash at um, out in Los Angeles, California. That was this past Sunday night. And uh Martin Truex Jr. won that race, but I am uh, more ready for um, kind of the real season kicking off with mm-hmm. Daytona. Um, and uh, so that race weekend at Daytona starts February 17th or 16th, actually, with two dual races in the Cup Series. And then if you follow all of the different series like I do, um, you've got a basically quadruple header uh, that weekend with the two dual races Thursday evening, the truck race Friday night, Xfinity race on Saturday, and then the cup race on Sunday. But um, I, maybe I should give you a little quick background of sure. how I got into NASCAR. Um, mm-hmm. I am, so I'm totally blind. I've been totally blind since birth. And I can remember um, being in different scenarios growing up where family members or different people that I was with would have it on the radio. And it always captured my attention whenever I would hear it. It was just kind of fascinating how, you know, you didn't have to see it to know what was going on um, and how the commentators described everything. And um, I remember trying to find the races growing up um, here in my local area on radio stations and um, just not being very successful. And so in 2011, I got... Sirius XM Satellite Radio, and they have a dedicated NASCAR channel with different shows and personalities, and it is NASCAR 24-7, 365. So I was immediately hooked and um, just started growing in my love for the sport and my knowledge of the sport thanks to that channel. And um, then in 2013, I won a contest to sing the national anthem at a NASCAR race, which for me was absolutely a dream come true. Um, and got to sing the national anthem at Charlotte Motor Speedway for uh, what was then the Nationwide Series uh, race for Memorial Day weekend. So that would now be the Xfinity Series race for any of you aficionados out there who um, follow the sport down to the nitty gritty like I do. Um, But got to sing the national anthem for that race. And that was my first time really being at the track. Um, kind of from just a casual fan's perspective, and I was just absolutely hooked. Um, you know, got to be in the pits briefly that day and just see all the activity that was going on. I've got to sing the national anthem and then spend the rest of the time in a suite at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And that just being there and, you know, being kind of up close was really cool. But my, I'd say my 
real and true just um, gaining of an understanding of NASCAR for me happened or started happening um, because it's an ongoing process, but started happening in 2014. I got to go to Martinsville Speedway with one of my best friend's uncles, and he is now a very dear friend of mine, um, but he is the gas man for a part-time, very part-time truck series team. So, um, but I got to go and I got to just be everywhere. I was in the garage. I was in the pits. I just, and it rained that day. And everybody else was so upset that it rained. But for me, honestly, that was the best day ever because I got to go and just meet people, meet voices that I'd been hearing for years, uh, meet drivers, touch the cars in the garages, get an understanding of some of these, like all of these concepts that I had heard described on the radio for years. The highlight for me that day, um, and is one that will forever stand out in my mind, is meeting the Motor Racing Network commentators. Um, I got to go to their hauler that they had at the time i remember it vividly i was we were all soaking wet from Mm. the rain and i walked in and they said my friends that i was with said come on do you want to go meet mrn and i went oh my gosh yes and i walked in so we all walk in we're dripping wet the guys could not have been nicer and i just got to stand in front of all of them and tell them thank you you know thank you for everything that you do to bring nascar to fans and I am a lifelong fan. This is how it impacts me. You are how I follow the sport. You are my access. Without you, I would not have the understanding that I have, and I would not be as big of a fan as I am. Um, And just having that opportunity to say thank you in person was so special for me, and it has um, brought on just lifelong friendships with all of the commentators, and I'm still in touch with all of them today, um, and they just are dear, dear friends and I'm so blessed to be able to call them that Um, but just being at the track that day at Martinsville and you know whenever I can get to a racetrack uh, ever since then I definitely do and um, but getting to you know, touch and feel and smell and hear and just experience. I think experience is probably a better word. Um, it's just more, just all, everything that goes on. It's not just cars turning left. And um, so that is kind of how I came to uh, love NASCAR. And um, then, of course, I know you mentioned Vivid um which is a four-part series on YouTube that NASCAR did about me and how I take in the sport and access the sport as a person who is totally blind and has no vision whatsoever. So without being able to see, um, you know, you can still love NASCAR just as much as I do. Mm-hmm. So, so um, um, hold, hold on, Chris, hold on. Col- uh, Perry again here, Colby. Tell me, describe the vivid experience to me. <laughs> what was it? What was it like? Just Paint me a picture since I wasn't there. I've I've heard it, but since I wasn't there, paint me a picture. All right. <laughs> I can do that. Um, so I was approached, um, goodness, almost probably a year ago now by an associate producer from NASCAR Productions. Um, and she said, we would like to do a story on you um, and how you take in the sport. And I said, you know, oh, my gosh, cool. Uh, I'd be interested for sure. And so I got um, they came out to my house um, and filmed one episode about how I take in the sport, 
um, you know, kind of life as a blind person, sort of the background, I guess, if you will. And then I got to go, um, episode two is where I go to a race shop and I got to be a pit crew member for a day. And um, so got to go to the Richard Childress Racing Shop in Welcome, North Carolina and meet uh, all of the guys on Austin Dillon's pit crew. And that was so much fun and just gave me a fleshed out my understanding of what a pit crew does and how a pit stop works and all of the choreography that is involved. And when I say choreography, I literally mean choreography. There are, you know, they practice, the choreography is practiced, um, but there's so much, so many moving parts that go on. And I I knew that just from, you know, listening on the radio and, and sort of um, trying to have kind of that mental picture in my head, if you will, but there's nothing like getting to be there and have uh, Paul Swan was the tire carrier, is the tire carrier for Austin Dillon, and I got to be with him, and literally he showed me everything that happens and how everybody moves around the car and up to the car and away from the car, um, and so just getting that uh, first-hand and hands-on experience was incredible um and i i i had an of course an appreciation for pit crews probably you know more than your casual fan would just because i had been around in the pits for several races by that point and i knew how integral they are the pit crew is to you know the the success of the driver um so there's there's so many just different parts in nascar um and i don't think one part is more important than another so everyone from the hauler driver who drives the car to the racetrack, um, to, you know, the receptionist who answers the front desk at a race shop um, and everybody that works at the race shops. Uh, they all play such a, an integral role in making NASCAR everything that it is. Um, but that was episode two. Episode three was I got to go to Richmond Raceway and be in the car and do a ride along with Jeff Burton. And he just could not have been nicer. That was an amazing experience. Um, you know, feeling the car as it's just moving around the track at those really fast speeds. I had done a ride along previously at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway with, um, you know, a semi-professional driver. Um, and my father got to do the driving experience, uh, which he loved. Uh, they wouldn't let me drive, I asked. Uh, <laughs> <well>. <laughs> they said no. Um, but a ride along. I bet that was cool, the riding. I bet that was cool riding with your dad. Uh, no, I didn't get to ride. I wish I could have ridden with him. I had to ride with a professional driver. Ah. They wouldn't put me in the car with him. That would have been awesome. <laughs> I would have loved that. <laughs> um, but so episode three uh, was, you know, getting to be at the racetrack. And then episode four was um, a continuation where we're at the racetrack, but it was I can't pick one as my favorite because they all were, you know, they all were just, they had all of them, all the episodes had their high points for me. But um, episode four was a continuation and we're at the racetrack. I got to physically walk on the track and really understand the banking and how steep that is at Richmond. Richmond is a very small track, just like Martinsville. They are both short tracks in Virginia. So you're talking, you know, a half a mile to maybe three-fourths of a mile um, in length. 
And but just getting to walk on the track, getting to feel the wall and feel the safer barrier, which is literally foam that is inside the wall that absorbs the shock from, you know, if a car crashes into the wall or somebody spins out and hits the wall. Um, also feeling the catch fence. I remember I, I've heard that term for years, but never fully understood it until somebody pointed out in um, in Vivid. They said, you know, did you know that fence was there? And I said, no. I had no idea. I mean, I'd heard the term catch fence and I knew it was obviously some sort of a fence. Um, but just getting to physically touch it and now going, you know, okay, whenever somebody says catch fence on the radio, now I know exactly what they're talking about because I have that hands-on experience and kind of in my mind's, you know, that mental picture in my head, I know what that fence feels like. Um I remember another point in episode four where we're at the racetrack and they took me outside of the track and we're standing in turn three and we're right below the tower where Dave Moody from MRN, so from Motor Racing Network, was calling the race. And I remember they said, Colby, Dave's waving at you. Wave back. (laughs) So I did. Um, But being, so I got to go literally you know, almost like in basically inside um, the fence because there are several fences between, you know, the racetrack and like where, you know, you can stand if you're standing outside. But they asked a NASCAR official if I could get, you know, as up close as possible to the cars without actually standing on the track. And that was really <laughs> I can't describe that in words. That was a a moment for me where I'm standing there and I'm leaning out over the fence and just feeling the wind from the cars rush by and the rumble of the cars is just inside your entire body and your whole body is vibrating um, with all of this, just the roar that's happening. And it was just, it was so amazing. And I I forgot I was mic'd and I said, I got goosebumps. Um, (laughs) And they put that clip, of course, in vivid um but i was just the whole time i was shooting vivid i wanted to paint the picture for the blind community i wanted to describe everything i was feeling and smelling and hearing and just experiencing because i wanted to bring all of you who we all know what life is like as a blind person and i wanted to just bring everybody with me and then you know if you can see and you thought about closing your eyes and living it from our perspective then you know great awesome cool but for me it was i want all my blind friends who know what a huge NASCAR fan I am to know exactly what's going on right now. Um, and so that was my goal during and also to show, you know, the the greater just the non-disabled community at large that, you know, there's so much more to us as people who are blind than the fact that we can't see. Um, you know, yes, it, it influences and impacts our daily lives in ways that, you know, people who are not, who, who don't have a visual impairment or who are not blind will never know. But there's so much more to us. And um, so I just, that was another goal that I had, um, you know, and something I really wanted to strongly communicate. Um, I remember uh, in episode four, you'll also see that I was in, I got to be in the MRN booth with in the booth, like with Jeff Striegel and Alex Hayden. And um, that was really special. That was something I had not gotten to do before. And just being around the guys throughout that weekend and um, some of the off-camera moments that, um, you know, some of the things they said and just, you know, having them 
tear up and tell me how special I am and uh, what an impact I've had on their lives. Um, and I, I, of course, teared up as well. And I said, but I'm just, I, you know, I was just, I'm just Colby. And they said, that's mm-hmm. exactly, you know, that's exactly why we love you because you're just Colby. <laughs> and so yeah. that was just, that was very, very special for me, um, you know, to know that, you know, and be reminded as we so often forget, there are people out there that see us for who we really are first and foremost and who don't, mm-hmm. you know, just focus on only the blindness. Um, right. And so, yeah, that was, that was, uh, those are kind of some of my highlights <laughs> from Vivid. <laughs> well, let's get some my, my, questions yeah. in here. Let's go to Chris, Chris go and tell her who yeah, you are first. This is, this is Chris. How are you doing? Nice to meet um, you. Yeah. Um, I'm really, uh, you do a great job with those community calls. I get that email and I, I don't have time. I'm working still full time, but I've been in ACB 50 years and you guys have done more to popularize ACB in two years, three years than mm-hmm. uh, we probably had did in the 47 before that. Thank so you. anyway, um, but why don't you describe for everybody, uh, it's in the documentary if they get to hear it, but describe for people the feeling as you were riding around the track, you know, as you started out and then as it sped up and, and the different sensations you felt and the way it felt, the vibrations and all that stuff. Sure. So being in the car with Jeff Burton um, was amazing. So first of all, you cannot move when you're sitting in, um, you know, in a, a the car itself. Your head and your neck are restrained by what they call a Hans device. So you have a helmet on and then you have a device that goes around your neck um, that it connects to the helmet. And that kind of keeps your head from, you know, getting jostled and bounced around with all the movement that you're experiencing. You're also wearing a driver's suit. And it is a very thick, um, kind of triple, at least double-layered uh, garment. It's like a one-piece suit. Um, it's long-sleeved and, you know, has your, your legs are obviously covered. Um, and it's a flame retardant, of course, fireproof on the outside. And then there's just a lot of thick layers of kind of almost like fleece, but very, very thick insulation on the inside. Um, and so that's kind of the uniform that you're wearing. Um, and then I know for when they when professional drivers are racing, actually racing, they have uh, covers that go on their shoes to keep their feet from getting burned as well. I did not have that. I was just wearing, you know, tennis shoes. Um, but being in the car and going around the track, and first of all, it is almost impossible to hear anything um, when you're in the car because it is so loud, but it literally, you feel it throughout your entire body. And as you're riding and going around the racetrack, your body is moving. There's all these different angles that you're experiencing. Um, You can really feel when the car is gripping the racetrack versus not, or at least I could. Um, And then just all of the maneuvering that is done. So when you are turning the centrifugal forces that just kind of hold you in place, it's a really cool feeling because you couldn't turn the opposite way or lean the opposite way if you wanted to. Um, It's that powerful, the G-forces that are kind of holding you in place and as because you know you're just going so fast and it's it's a very powerful um experience it's tough to articulate i did my best <laughs> well one of the things you mentioned was you could smell the rubber burning uh, as you went around too and that that yes. intrigued me yes the, yeah the the thing is how fast do you think you were going at that point 
Um, I don't know officially. I know Jeff did tell me at one point that the car was not set up to go as fast as he would have liked to have taken me. Um, <laughs> but I would, I would say definitely probably over 150. Well, uh-huh. uh, Rick, okay. do you have any, hold on, Rick, do you have anything? Yeah. Hi, Kobe. This is Rick. Um, oh. uh, first, first, thanks for coming on. Um, I've never been big into NASCAR, but just hearing the enthusiasm in your voice makes me think maybe I should check it out. Um, Absolutely. You mentioned Austin Dillon, and if I'm not mistaken, didn't he like a year or so ago have a uh, television reality ser- a series on, I think it was USA Network? And I was wondering if, yeah, we're, I was wondering if your appearance in his pick crew made it to that show at all. No, my appearance did not. Um, This was filmed, Vivid was filmed after his show had already um, been filmed and and went to air. Um, I got to meet him very briefly at the racetrack, um, and that was was neat. He was was nice. Yeah, okay, and the reason that... Right. The reason that oh, caught my eye, I, my ear on that show was because you mentioned Paul Swan, and that actually happens to be my last name, Swan. Oh, but no. um, one quick question: you were just talk, explaining what it was like, the excitement when you were driving, uh, riding in the car. It's just between us, how about was there? A, there had to be a measure of fear there too, right? No, honestly, no? I think there was more just a measure of. Like anticipation, what's going to happen? What is this experience going to be like? You know, I knew I was in good hands. I mean, you you can't be in much better hands yeah. than Jeff Burton driving you around <laughs> around the racetrack. But no, I really, I don't. I, there was not a measure of fear. I I was good. I was ready. Bill, you're, you're braver than I am. <laughs> Maybe just one comment. Hi, I'm Bill Sparks. I nice to meet you run this radio station or halfway anyway but the you almost had to be here to believe this today the enthusiasm in your voice i guess i'm <laughs> going to have to go punch up channel 90 on my sirius xm and yes. and get that going and thank you Absolutely. again for coming uh you made a believer out of me so Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much. One of the things that you mentioned okay. in the documentary was hold Milwaukee. On, hold on, Chris. We're, hold on, Chris. We're down to about eight, eight minutes. So I want to get everybody in. Robert, uh, go ahead. Um, yeah, Colby, I have actually been to NASCAR. What's your name? Oh, I'm sorry. My name's Robert, Colby. <laughs> nice so, to meet you. Nice to meet you. Uh, I've actually been to NASCAR races. I went to Darlington when I lived in South Carolina, and I've been to Fontana since <laughs> I live out here in California. Um I thought it was very important that you mention to people uh, when you go to a race, if you're blind, to have a headset and a scanner because those are very valuable tools. Uh, for those that don't know uh, what the scanner or, or headset provides you at a race, why don't you explain that to people? Good. Sure. That was my question, actually, Robert. That, that's good. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. So when if you are a blind person or if you are sighted, uh, when you go to the track, A scanner and a headset is absolutely a must-have. So that enables you to listen to not only MRN uh, or the radio broadcast, because PRN does describe some of the races as well. Um, So the radio commentary of what is exactly, like what's happening. But you can also listen to the driver audio and uh, pit crew audio. So all of the drivers have their own channel where they can communicate um, with their pit crews. And you can listen to the spotters communicating with the 
driver. So just all the conversation that's taking place as races are going on. And I am uh, very happy to report also that now the live uh, feeds for those drivers in the NASCAR app, you can also get that driver audio. Um, they have made that accessible uh, from an email, actually, that I sent years and years ago um, mm-hmm. asking them to please make this feature accessible so you can listen when you're not at the racetrack. Um, and so that is something that happened probably as of about two two or three years ago. Um, I you know, re-downloaded the app and tried it and went, oh my gosh, they actually made it accessible. And I wrote to NASCAR's accessibility department and I said, oh my goodness, thank you so much. And got a response back that was not automated and said that it was my email that had, you know, inspired them to take a look at the accessibility of that feature in the app. And so, um, that is something I usually always, if I'm at home and I'm you know, at the house, I can listen on um, my satellite radio, but sometimes the delay with that is a little too lengthy for my liking because, you know, a, cra- a caution can come out in about, you know, a second and a half. So um, if there's if it's delayed, I make a point of um, putting it on usually on the NASCAR app and getting the radio broadcast feed that way. And that is something that you do not have to pay for. That is uh, free and included. So if you're in the app, you would just enter a race is on, so a race has to be live for this feature to appear. But you'll click on the scanner button, and then you can listen to the radio broadcast. Um, but if you're at the track, absolutely, a scanner and a headset are must-haves. Sean, do you got a quick one? Because Piero has his hand up, too, so I want to get to him, too. So do you have a quick one? Okay. Well, mine, of course, Kobe. And how do I spell my name with Kobe? The right way. So, there you go. That's right. <laughs> All right. What are what, what are your thoughts on the upcoming season? Like, who do you think? Uh, any thoughts on who you think might take the cup this season, or who, who some of the you know any new dry any like up and coming drivers to watch for? Or I say definitely. So as far as who I think might take the cup, I have no idea. It's a blank slate, which is always so exciting. Um, Ty Gibbs, of course, is Joe Gibbs' grandson, and he has moved into the Cup Series. Um, he won the Xfinity Series Championship this past year in 2022. So he is making his debut in Cup. Um, so I would say definitely watch him. Keep your eye um, on him. I think he's probably one to watch. But um, just... You know, it's a blank slate. This is the second year with the new next generation car. Um, And so drivers now have a notebook of sorts to pull from. Um, But I think it's still, you know, there's still a lot to be learned. And um, just I'm so ready to see what happens. Pierre, if you want to unmute real quick, we can uh, get to you now. Hi, Kobe. My name is Pierre. Hi, Pierre. <laughs> I know who you are. I, I bet. I bet she knows. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I give her heck every time I can on the community. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, would you tell them, like, if they want to listen to a to the NASCAR race, 
on their, say their uh, Lady A, their Alexa, how would they do it? Yes, you can also, oh, you just set somebody's off. Yeah, you, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> you, there you go. You can also listen through the NASCAR skill. So what you will want to do is ask your Lady A device to enable NASCAR, and then she will enable it if it's not enabled already. Um, and then you can um, just say open NASCAR, and then I think it's play radio broadcast. Um, and that is a feature, again, you know, that's free. I don't think you can listen to driver audio on the A-Lady, not that I'm aware of, unless that is something new that's come out. Um, but that is a way to listen if you have a, an Amazon device. And Kobe uh, is very, very short. Tell him, tell him how... <laughs> How, how, yeah, uh, why would you bring up such uh, things? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tell them tell them how you actually got into a driver's fire suit. Um <laughs> so I I am I am small in stature, uh, but dynamite comes in small packages. Just remember that. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Um <laughs> but uh Hey, for those of us that are short, we agree with you. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I'm okay with it. I own it. It's fine. Um, they, so they, they uh, did not obviously have, um, a driver's suit that would fit me. And so there was a lot of safety pinning with these giant, (laughs) really big, like oversized safety pins going on. Um, but it was, uh, they got it to, you know, stay up and, uh, stay as in place as possible. Um, but I still, uh, I think I looked a little bit like a marshmallow, uh, around the racetrack. With the with the oversized fire suit, um, but yes, no, definitely had to be uh, lifted to get in and out of the car. Um, had you know a friend that was there with me at the time, and a lot of uh, you know big strong men um, <laughs> assisting no. with getting in and out of the car. So um, and then, but just yeah, it was it was great. Well, we Kobe, we want to thank you because. As you well know, the clock is the clock, right? Absolutely. And, uh, we want to thank you, Sean. We don't even have time for the wrap today, so I will wrap it up for us. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week. Cars drive by on a racetrack. When you say race car, I hear the noise. A blank screen. A young woman's face appears. I do not visualize NASCAR. For me, it's all about the sounds. A live pit stop takes place. The smells. Her being peeled rubber burned off a tire, hot dogs on a grill. The texture. Her hands feel the exterior of a car, a lug nut, and a jack. The atmosphere at the racetrack. Planes fly over a racetrack. Fans cheer in the stands. Driver starts engine. Green flag waves. Cars drive by. Blank screen. Alternating shots of a racetrack and paint moving. When you start describing color, it has no meaning for me. I don't have a frame of reference or a working knowledge of color. For me, having never seen, colors are just words. Yes, I experience the world in a different way, but my life is no less rich, no less vivid or detailed because I don't have sight. It's just different. A bright colored background with the title Vivid, the perspective of a blind NASCAR fan. Colby sits on a wooden swing outside as the swing slightly moves back and forth. My name is Colby and I was born blind. Blindness is a spectrum. 
You have people who can see some things and not other things. You have people who had sight and lost it later in life. I myself have been totally blind since birth, so I have never seen, and that's normal for me. Colby stands as her hands feel around a large camera. Back here is the battery. The heat, I think, is what captured my attention Yes, yeah, they, they put out a lot of heat. This is my audio bag, and it is attached to me. Is your voice up and down? Inside a house, Colby opens her guitar case in her lap. Her fiancé, David, sits next to her on the couch, also with a guitar. He teaches her how to play. Colby sits on a couch in a living room with her phone in her hand to use screen reading software that reads tweet information via her phone speaker. Oh, so NASCAR announced a street course in Chicago, and there's a picture of Bubba Wallace driving through the streets of Chicago on the street course. Tweet appears with the alt text. Pictures of Colby at a racetrack flashes to members of the Motor Racing Network broadcast crew during a race. I became a NASCAR fan. I can remember growing up and being in different situations with different family members where they would have it on the radio. I just was drawn to how the commentators paint the mental picture of what's going on. You don't have to be able to see it to follow what's happening. Text of the radio call. LaJoy goes high, Elliot up to butt, LaJoy on the wall. They get loose, they spin. Now Tyler Reddick does a 360. Holman Digger gets into Alex Bowman. Ross Chastain back out to the front. It's energizing, it's exciting, it's exhilarating, it's chaotic, it's wonderful. It's my favorite sport. <laughs> In the living room on a couch, David sits with his arm around Colby and the TV turned on. MRN is my access to the sport. Typically on race days at home, we'll put on the MRN feed using the NASCAR app. Animation of the NASCAR app. On my iPad or my iPhone. If I'm with people who want to watch it on TV, they will sometimes mute the sound or sometimes I go upstairs and I end up listening to just what's happening on the radio. Different shots of Colby and David's reactions to the radio calls. There's always sort of I'm on edge, um, just kind of waiting for that next thing to occur. You know, when they get excited, I get excited. Everybody else on the lead lap oh. comes to pit lane or do lead over Kurt Ooh. Busch and pulls away by two car lanes. 22, Chase Elliott scores the win. Yeah, he An ally 400 at the Nashville. There's a lot way. to take in auditorily and experientially as well. If you start talking about something that I have experienced or have read enough about and feel like I have a pretty good understanding of, then I can relate to that more. Colby reads from a braille display. Um, the alt text just says, a regular season champion graphic depicting Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, Ross Chastain, Kyle Larson, and Joy Logano. When you are talking about anything having to do with sound. I, I think it might be similar to how you can take in a lot at once, visually speaking. It works the same way for me from an auditory perspective. Colby on a swing outside. NASCAR and the world in general are no less vivid or no less rich for me because I don't take in the sport the same way as someone who can see. 
I am an avid fan, always will be, and you know, I may have a different perspective, but it's still just as valid as anyone else's and um, just as vivid as anyone else's. A blank screen. Title, pit crew member for a day. The camera tilts down to the outside of the Richard Childress Racing Pit Stop Department building in Welcome, North Carolina. I'm Paul. Nice to meet Very you, nice I'm to Colby. Meet you, Colby. <laughs> Paul Swan, the tire carrier for the number three team of Austin Dillon, is inside the building shaking hands with Colby. We hear you're a big NASCAR fan. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm very interested in kind of, you know, what is each person doing as a pit stop is happening. Yeah. My kind of rudimentary understanding of a pit stop is that it's very chaotic and yes. there's a whole lot of moving parts yes, in a very short amount of time. It's controlled chaos is what we like to call it. Three, two, one, four tires. Austin Dillon's pit crew performs a pit stop during a race. Ready, go, 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 go. All clear, all clear. We're back inside the RCR building with Paul and Colby in front of a race car. Paul rolls two large tires as he explains the choreography of a pit stop. These two tires are right on each side of you. So I bring out two tires when I jump off the wall. So picture a car coming at you about 55 miles an hour. Okay. And you gotta jump out in front of it, hopefully not get hit. Shut off a live pit stop. The Jackman's gonna take this one, so we're gonna roll that to the right rear. You're coming around right here, setting up. Most likely he's gonna have the tire off already, so you gotta come around, be fast, hang it quick. And then we're gonna pop back up and picture this. This tire will say came off the right rear where you were just feeling. Then you're taking that one back and then you're shipping this tire to the wall and then we're gonna get another one. And hope it doesn't take off. Yeah, hope it, hope Cause it you don't want it uncontrolled. Yeah, hopefully somebody's back there catching it. And then they're gonna roll in another tire for the left front and we hang that one and boom we're done the three car drives off after a pit stop so this is an empty gas can colby and paul hold a large gas can and walk towards the car all right keep coming right there okay so you got it up on your shoulder okay now we're gonna go plug it in so it goes in from the bottom. Yep. Okay. A gas man during a live pit stop fuels a car. Nick Covey, the jack man, shows Colby how the jack works. This is Covey. He's our jack man. How are you doing? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. From here, if you push this handle down, it'll raise it. And we do that in one pump, and that will lift the car. It's crazy how strong the these little jacks are. Right down here at the bottom. So that shock will help it stay right there. These, jack, the these jackmen, they're the divas of the sport. They... They need everything oh, perfect. Divas, yeah. <laughs> They're the divas. <laughs> Covey's a big diva. I was going to say, Covey sounds very diva-ish. <laughs> no, not at all. And then here's the gun right next to it. These are the new guns. They're a lot bigger. This socket is way bigger than what it used to be. The pitch is also very different. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the way they sound. It's yeah. a lot. It's nicer because it's definitely quieter during practice with these guns because it's not... Nah, 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 nah. Yeah, yeah, it's just... Live pit stop while tire changer uses the old air gun. Now the new air gun. All right, well, we'll get ready for practice and have you hear all the cool sounds. Air gun. My name's Ray Wright. Pit crew coach. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. We're going to throw you in that passenger seat. You're going to go for a ride. 
You're gonna really? jack shoot up on the right side, then you're gonna drop it real hard. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. David helps her climb into the passenger seat of the car as other pit crew members get ready for practice. All right, here we go. A driver is in the car next to Colby. The race car arrives and stops at the pit stall. Two tire changers, a tire carrier, and a jackman run around the opposite side of the car, then back to the near side to perform their duties. How was that? That was, wow. What do you think? That was fast. Cool? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Heck yeah. Another pit stop practice from the perspective of the tire carrier, Paul Swan, who carries two large tires around the car. I've always had an extreme appreciation for them and the job that they do, but I don't think I realized exactly how many moving parts there are and how integral each part is. There's also so many different sounds that were going on and the scents, I could smell the fluid from the jack and hear the compressed air from the jack and the fluid and lubrication from the air guns, the air wrenches, taking all of that in in the up-close way was incredible. Colby experiences a practice pit stop outside of the car. I mean, pit crews are amazing. What would you most like to do if you were on a pit crew? I think, I think your job. I think, All right, I think yeah, that's, that, that's the right answer. That's what I was looking for. I think in the tires would actually be. That's what I was looking for. Would actually be what I would want to do. Yeah. <laughs> Colby takes a picture with members of the pit crew team. We thank Colby. I'm excited. Bring it on. Title, the ride along. Colby and David ride in the back of a golf cart and enter the infield at a racetrack. Today we are at Richmond Raceway, exploring the different parts of a race car with Jeff Burton and then doing a ride along. Jeff Burton. It's so nice to nice meet, meet you. you. How are you? Oh, I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm great. Oh my gosh, this I'm be a lot of fun. thrilled to be here. Do you want to come over here and check this thing out? Sure. Can I lead you? Yeah. Come on. Jeff shows Colby the different parts of a race car. So we're at the right front. It's the right front fender. The screen is different. It has square holes Correct. and there's round Correct. holes on the grill. All right, so this is the trunk of the car, right? The rear spoiler. So spoiler is at the back of the car, splitter is towards much more towards the ground. Exactly. So this is the rear window. Okay, the rear window goes all the way to there. That's the beginning of the roof. So now we're at the back of the hood. Can you bend down again? This is that single lug nut that you keep hearing about. That experience made terminology and concepts that I have heard about on the radio and on television make so much more sense to me. So it'd be almost like a groove. Correct. Or a, a, a space that teeth would fit into. Exactly. Kind of like a, putting a puzzle together. If we're not careful, you're going to take my job because you're doing a lot, <laughs> lot much better job of describing it than I am. <laughs> Want to stand up? Yeah. We get to ride now. This is the fun part. This will be the fun part. <laughs> now listen, what I'm going to tell you. This is supposed to be fun. Okay. I'm not going to scare you. I'm going to go as fast as you want to go. And you're going to... Colby wears a fireproof driver's suit, puts on a helmet, and climbs through the passenger side window to get in the race car. What do you think, Colby? I'm excited. That's awesome. Bring it on. Here we go. How about that? 
So we're just rolling out of the garage now. We're on pit road. We just are halfway down pit road now. This racetrack, very small. It's only three quarters of a mile. We're actually off the exit of pit road. So I'm going to start picking up the pace, okay? Okay. Colby grins inside the race car while the car progresses around the track. We see alternate shots of inside and outside the car. We're entering turn three. I'm right on the very bottom of the track. We're now exiting turn four. Now I'm gonna go faster. Okay. So we stopped right here at the start finish line. Tell me what you were feeling, hearing, sensing. I think what captured my attention the most is probably just as we got faster, um, you could definitely, I could smell more rubber being put down on the track. The vibrations as you're accelerating and decelerating, how that sort of increases and then decreases. It feels like you're almost like a sudden stop, even though you're obviously, the motion is continuous. I think just, it was so cool to listen to um, the engine kind of, you know, as you were getting into the throttle and then letting out of the throttle for the turn. So I can see it and you can feel it. You can feel this to me, what makes the best race car drivers is what they feel. And so what you're feeling already to me is fascinating <laughs> because you have a better sense of feel the first time you ever set in a race car than most people ever will. All right, Kobe, here we go. We're going to take a few more laps. Okay. I want you to walk me through this. I'm going to shut up, and I'm going to let you talk. And everything you're feeling, smelling, hearing, I want to hear it, okay? Okay. You're going to take, you're going to take my job. You're the analyst. Okay. All right, here we go. So we're accelerating. The words, take a moment and experience life through Colby's point of view, appear on a blank screen. We're slowing down, coming into a turn, moving to the left. My body is angled to the right. An animation of an engine. Still angled to the right, and we are on the front track. We turn to the left. My body is still angled to the right. You can really feel those deep words right now. And how grippy the car Decelerating into another turn. I can smell the rubber probably more on the right side than the left currently. You can definitely tell there's more rubber being laid down in the turns than on the straightaways. I can feel way more friction as it's happening as those turns are happening. The car stops on pit road. You're awesome. I... We've done a lot of rides, and I, Kobe, this is probably the, uh, the most special one we've done. You're an awesome person. I love your energy and your enthusiasm. Oh, my gosh. That was incredible. I, I cannot thank you enough. That was uh, definitely an experience I'll always remember. <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> Me, too. You need to teach. I tell you what, you could teach some drivers a few things about what they feel. I can tell you that. <laughs> I'm serious. They're outside the race car. That was I don't know that there are words to describe that. That was, I will say, memorable is uh, the first thing that comes to my mind. It's a very special day for all of us to have you here. Appreciate you being a race fan. Oh my gosh, I, you got a lifelong one here. <laughs> That's fun. And when I say avid, I mean avid. Oh, right I on. want to know every detail. You 
you can't be too detailed. When you're describing something, even if you just use one word that's different, that can almost, you know, that can sometimes just make that light bulb go off for me. Even that different word can make something make more sense to someone like myself who's never seen than it would have previously. Well, thank you so much for coming. We thank really appreciate you. Thank you so much for everything. You made all our days special. Oh my goodness, you, you gave me an experience I will always remember. <laughs> Colby and Jeff pose for a picture. Colby in the MRN radio broadcast booth in a tower high above the racetrack with commentators Jeff Striegel and Alex Hayden. Dave, are you up? Yes. Hi. Hi, Alex. Hi, Dave. Hi, Colby. Hi, Dave. Hey, Hi, Colby. Hi, Kim. Glad I to have you. I got me a big hug earlier. I did, too. Made, made my day. Title, Experiencing NASCAR. Hey, look who's here. Colby. Hello. Welcome, welcome. We're happy to have you. Colby sits between Alex and Jeff. She wears a headset with the microphone and holds a push-to-talk control. Let's introduce everybody to a very special guest with us tonight. We do from Greensboro, North Carolina. Colby Garrison is with us here. How exciting is this? I am absolutely elated to be here. I'm not quite sure I have words to uh, encapsulate just how much of a different perspective I am gaining by being in the booth. It's an honor. You uh, have been a friend of ours for years now. We <laughs> met you at Martinsville, and the thing that shocked all of us you identified every single one of us, all of us, simply by voice recognition. MRN is my access to the sport, and I rely on your descriptions to know what is going on, and I just thank all of you for everything that you do. Being at the racetrack added a whole new dimension to my perspective and helped me to really understand some of those concepts that I hear you all talk about on the radio. Exterior shots of fans entering Richmond Raceway on Sunday morning. Colby and David walk on pit road as they hold hands. All right, we're walking right across the exit of the pit road right now. All right, about to get on. We're starting to bank. Got turn one. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's very steep. It is. But now when I hear turn one at Richmond, I will know what we're 14 degrees of banking. I'll have that mental construct. We're at the very top of the track by the wall. Outside down. wall? Yes, the outside wall. You can feel the marbles on the track. They feel like sticky, rubbery. It almost feels like a fake bug. So the foam inside of the wall? Oh, wow. Oh, it's literally foam. Yeah. It feels like the foam you would see at a craft store that you could stick stuff in or st have stuff sticking out of like flowers or if you're making a model of the planet. The wall that is in front or behind the safer barrier is very hard. It's literally just concrete. And then do you know that there's a fence, a giant fence there? Uh-uh. A giant fence where? Like right on the wall. No, I had no idea the fence was there. and no idea that cable was there. Colby feels around the base of a large tall pole with multiple lights at the top. I could hear this very loud buzzing noise and didn't know what it was. It kind of sounded like a whole lot of bugs. I asked what's that sound and learned that it was the lights. So now when I hear the term, oh, the lights at the racetrack have come on, in my mind's ear, if you will, I can immediately associate that with the sound of the light. Colby with Paul Swan and Nick Covey as they show her the three-team pit stall setup. Good to see you. I saw you on TV. <laughs> Looking good out there. So right now we're on the hot side of pit road. We're where we do the pit stop. 
the wall's right here. Is that coming? Yes, that's it. <laughs> so our pit box is right here. There's a TV right here. Okay. Where we watch all of our pit stops is right here. We got about a foot right here. And it's just a big circle board. And it says AD on it, and it's got colors, so he knows where to put the nose of the car into the pit stall where exactly it stops. He'll actually hit this with the nose of the car. Oh. Colby experiences driver intros. I hear everything going on at once. I might cue in on certain sounds if I can isolate them, but a lot of times I just love being there and listening to everything that's occurring. This is the quarter panel right here. Colby meets NASCAR driver Austin Dillon. And there's the seat right here. Yeah. So that's where you sit and that's custom molded to your body. Correct, exactly. So in about two more laps, they're gonna come down pit road. It's gonna get a lot louder. But you'll know that they're here. Colby and car chief of the number three, Ryan Chisholm, hold a pit sign attached to a long pole on pit road to remind Alston where his pit stall is located. We are underway as the green flag flies over the field. You changed the channel. I didn't. <laughs> it's not in our end. David puts on her headset while she holds a scanner device in her hand. When I am at the racetrack, I have to have a scanner and a headset. Those are absolutely non-negotiable, essential, have to have, so that I can follow what is going on. Colby stands in an empty pit stall. There's nothing like standing in the pits and being as close to pit wall as I can and leaning out over that wall and feeling the rush of wind from the cars as they go by and listening to all of the sounds that are going on and feeling the vibration of the cars. I love that sound. Larson away with the lead as they hit turns one and two. Logano hangs it high to the outside. He's going to make a challenge down the back straightaway. Larson squeezes him up to the outside wall. Larson will lead as they make it to turn three. There's a different perspective when you're outside of the track. Everything sounds different. The rumble that you feel when you're inside the track definitely decreased, but it, it felt different, slightly different, and definitely had a different sound. Each time the cars would go by, there would be this wind, but it was sort of delayed until after the sound had already passed. Colby stands outside the racetrack at turn three as she rests her hands on the fence and leans in to experience the race cars drive by up close. I just got goosebumps. Colby reacts in shock to a live pit stop for the number 11. Hamlin slides to a stop in front of Winston Kelly. And he's at pit stop number 11. Very smooth on the left side. They're right, or on the right side, they wheel around to the left side. This is going to be their seventh, and now he's got a stoppage. The Jack fell down. This is going to cost them his precious time. The Jack did go down a little bit early. They had to crank it back up, so it cost him probably a couple of seconds. Colby stands with MRN's pit reporter, Kim Kuhn, who holds a microphone. when I am seen as Colby first and not the blind girl. There is so much more to me than the fact that I can't see. Kim hugs Colby. I would encourage you, if you are a NASCAR fan and you have the opportunity to get to a racetrack, 
to go. David puts his arm around Colby as they stand in a pit stall. If you are blind, make sure you have a scanner. If you can see, make sure you have a scanner. And just keep an open mind and realize that there is so much more going on and so much more involved than just cars turning left. Checkered flag is in the air. Back-to-back -back wins. Kevin Harvick wins the Federated Auto Parts 400 at Richmond Raceway. Colby stands in victory lane as confetti shoots into the air onto the number four car. There's so much out there that you could be missing out on if you don't try or if you don't take that step. Just trying something different and you may end up falling in love with it like I did. A colorful background with the title, Vivid.